Any Sam Harris fans out there? Our minds are all we have. They are all we have ever had. And they're all we can offer to others. When the world around us feels like chaos in life, as in business, it's always the teams and individuals with the right mindset that are most likely to persevere. So what is the right individual mindset when it comes to performance? And what should leaders do to instill that mindset within their teams? We've got two exciting guests today to tackle these questions. Sylvia Rayner is an educator and clinical hypnotherapist focused on inner mastery and human performance. Her specialty is helping high performers achieve next-level results through mental training techniques. She's worked with Olympic and professional athletes, athletic coaches, executives, creatives, and entrepreneurs, and we're very lucky to have her here with us today. Welcome, Sylvia. Thank you, Jody. So happy to be here. We're excited to have you. And we have one other special guest today. Uh, it's the head of marketing at Clue. Uh, Katie Berg manages a team of high-performing marketers, especially producer Ben. And at Clue, <laughs> she oversees demand generation, content, community, advertising, product marketing, sales development, and design. Yes, that's a mouthful. Katie does it all. Uh, and she's also an accomplished painter, former basketball player, and arguably the biggest succession fan at Clue. Katie Burke. Oh my God. Thank you for joining. You have done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> We're very excited to get started with you um, both. And so I'm going to kick it off to you first uh, to tell me uh, in the theme of mindset, tell me what makes a performance ready mindset. Mm -hmm. Ready, I think, is the key word there. So preparation is absolutely key to having a great performance. And the more you prepare for great performances, the more you have great performances and the easier it is to prime yourself for the next great performance. So what are the things that you're looking to achieve when you're getting in that mindset, you or someone else? Yeah, I think about it more in the lens of athletes that I work with. So what we want is somebody to be tuned to the absolute right um, level of anticipation or arousal for the job that they're about to do so if an athlete is preparing for it depends on it totally depends on the context but if somebody's preparing for a game it's a little bit of a different kind of orientation um to to preparing for like one chance down a ski run for example and so we a lot of it comes down to like how how excited should somebody feel? You don't want to be totally calm. A lot of people think, and and sports psychologists I've heard actually teach this a lot, um, to teach people to relax before they perform. But actually, you don't want to be too relaxed before you perform. You want to be just the right level of, call it anxious or call it sort of um, up or whatever word you want to use. But if you're too calm, that actually can lead to a very flat performance. So we like to teach people to get to that right level of anxiety to get them into the zone, basically. And that's different for each person. But if you ask somebody, they know what that is. They all know what their exact sort of peak performance feeling is. And then you have to start learning how to, to get them into that state willfully right before they're ready to go. Not too early because then they can gas out. And obviously not too late. It's got to be the right moment and it's got to be the, the right level. 
Yeah, I can. the fear. Yeah, TD, go ahead. Um, at, literally, as you were explaining that, I can picture myself in a meeting where like a, a, an important meeting where you're on the edge of I'm kind of nervous, but not <laughs> to the point that it's like ruining me. And I'm it's the stress of the situation is enough to hyper focus me. Yep. But it hasn't gotten so intense that I'm like turtling from it. I'm crumbling yep. from it. And it hasn't lasted at that level for such a long period of time that I'm exhausted by it. Yeah, exactly. I was, I've been saying all week long because it's the end of the quarter. It's like an intense period of time. We're figuring out what's our plans for Q2. I am waking up every day <laughs> like wanting to kick down the door in front of me, flip a table as I walk in the office. Like it is, I feel like I'm operating at a high level in a way that I love. And it's actually coming from a bit of that pressure. That's right. That's exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly right. So it's exactly the same in the office as it is, you know, on the sports field. Yeah. Yeah. The fear and the excitement uh, and the hormones that go into that, there is like your body doesn't know the distinction. And I love what you said, Katie, about the dialing in uh, and the focus. It, it mm -hmm. is. It's like a tiger is, you know, running at me or I'm about to deliver this presentation, my intensity and focus is at that level where I'm, you know, I'm responding, I'm focused on this alone, this matters to me. Um, and today, uh, oh, go oh, ahead. I just was, I love that you said tiger, because one of the images that I use consistently is that of a tiger ready to pounce. When I'm trying to get people to like click into what that feels like, that's a very strong image that everybody can seem to relate to that if you imagine what a big cat looks like while it's kind of like stalking its prey it's like extremely focused but it's also relaxed in a certain way and people can usually feel what that feels like and it helps them remember what they feel like when they're like right right at that best sort of peak performance state yeah can i can and i also share another thought jody just on the um performance readiness side because yeah. it one of the things that I've seen on our marketing team is the reason why I think our team has been able to execute under intense pressure, getting things out the door really, really quickly is the result of being very, very intentional in doing like debriefs and teardowns systematically for like years leading up to those intense moments. So when you talk about like being prepared or being ready for those moments and what that looks like as an athlete, like that's a different it's a different story, but it, yet it's exactly the same in that you're looking at game tape, you're doing your debriefs, you're doing your homework and like going through practice over and over and over again so that when you're in the game, like these things are second nature and you're able to do a lot of work, like almost subconsciously, almost by habit. And so your mental energy can really be focused on the things that matter. And that's where I've seen our marketing team over the last year, like really build up a lot of systems and organization and processes and systematically debrief every campaign we've done, every project or initiative we've done and said, what did we do well? What did we suck at? What do we want to change for next time? And like actually incorporating those learnings has made it so that when we're putting out a big, a big campaign or something that we haven't done before, 90% of the work can be done like subconsciously without a lot of thought as part of a system. Alignment. Uh, that matters. And the other thing that um, that your team, as I've witnessed, does well is you come together and you relax and you're silly and you don't take yourself seriously. So you have that built-in cycle because 
And that's that's where I was starting to think is, you know, in a time like we are in now, where efficiency is the name of the game today in sales, particularly in tech that's being hit hard, um, we're pushing ourselves and our teams to do more with less. And yet, as Sylvia was saying um, earlier, we, we can't sustain that pressure and that mm-hmm. velocity for long periods of time. And yet in this moment that we're in, we don't know how long it will last. And so what I've seen your team do really well, Katie, is take those, you know, we sprint and then we we pause and we celebrate yep. and we release, um, you know, our foot from the gas pedal. So I'm not sure if there's something that um, that you can add or, or build into that or if that's something that you are even aware of that you do intentionally. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And what comments do you have there? So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I do have this belief and I don't know if it was more intuitive or intentional. It started in intuitively, which is like when I'm having fun, I do better work. When I'm having fun with people around me, we have more creative ideas. When we're having fun together, the pressure doesn't feel as intense right? We can form this bubble around ourselves as a team that no one can penetrate if we together have like a vibe shield up. And so (laughs) (laughs) at at the beginning of this year at our offsite, like as as a joke, I think I spoke about, you know, what's like marketing up to this year. It's like mostly vibes. And I say it half jokingly, but actually like half serious that it's really important to me that we are finding fun in what we're doing. And I, this is so funny. I saw on TikTok the other day, a video where this guy said, the scariest team to play against is the team that's having fun. The scariest competitor is the competitor that's having fun. Because if they're having fun, they're probably learning, they're iterating, they're like, there's nothing more intimidating than that team that have that's having the most fun. And when I heard that, I was like, yes, I've like felt that in sports. I felt that Like you see it when you see a team is vibing, they're having fun, their energy is infectious, they're elevating each other. That is a very threatening team. And so being able to like create space for that is super intentional to me and super important in being able to like get through tough times. I bet you trash talked a lot when you played basketball, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. No, I like wasn't no? a trash talker. I'm not a trash oh. talker. No, I'm like a troll in life and on our team. Like, am <laughs> I a trash talker on our team? Yes. Do I use like <laughs> trolling each other as a way of sharing affection? A hundred percent. Like in my life? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's, I think it's that the mindset that it's okay to fail. We're going to take some risks. And to be able to get into that mindset of taking risks and innovating, we have to be in a place of safety. And that, you know, that place of safety in times like this is really tough to get to um, because we're all in that cortisol spiked, you know, mindset where we're, we're in like fear. Scarcity is so easy to, to, you know, penetrate our mindsets. And yeah, so I'm curious, Sylvia, uh, how does efficiency relate to the top performers that you've worked with? Mm. Well, Katie was mentioning earlier about like good game tape and, and like reviewing everything. And when I think about efficiency, I think about that. And I think about how you have to take, you have to look at everything that you're doing or everything that an athlete is doing and, and, and scrutinize it, um, figure out where the weaknesses are and then train the weaknesses. But you have to do it in a systematic way. You can't do everything at once. Usually you can only do it in increments and you can usually only work on one or two things at a time. And you get those things dialed and then you move on and you and then you make sure that they're like stable 
right? Because you, you can you can get something dialed, but if you implement something else too quickly, it's like you lose that progress because it, it just becomes jumbled again. It's like too much going on. So you stabilize the change, then you incrementally adjust somewhere else, make another adjustment, and you keep reviewing and checking and being like, did that work better? Like, is there something else that's better? Are we missing something? And it's like, there has to be, and I, I love it when, a, when an athlete is self-aware, and I think that we have to leave room for people in work as well to become self-aware instead of telling them all the time what they're doing or what they're doing. It's like they need to also build the skill set of like doing that habit for themselves. And then you create efficiency, like I think efficiency machine machinery almost. Um, it just becomes part of the habit and ritual and it has to be disciplined. Like it just has to be done continuously. Um, so that that's what I would say about creating efficiency gains the i have i think i've run into that so many different times with coaching sellers is that moment where they feel um like they're at a certain skill level or maybe they're even hitting a wall in some area uh, and asking that question you know how much time are you taking personally to review watch your game tape um, and see those moments because if you can spot those things in other people you can for sure spot them in yourself. And you're likely, the, and I believe, you're likely the only one to know what is what it is that's going to motivate you or be that unlock for yourself to you know start to see traction in that thing because it's going to be slightly different for every single person. Yeah. Yeah, and ego is a big barrier to this. So if everybody's doing it, like it can't, if people take it personally, that's the biggest barrier to progress, to creating more efficiency. Um, I remember, so when I was at Lighthouse Labs, we took in students, so it's a coding boot camp, and we took in students from um, tech, like from people that had computer science degrees joined the boot camp, and, but like hadn't gotten practical training, and then there were people that came from arts and things like that. And what I found really interesting was that from a psychological perspective, the arts students had a, tended to have a much harder time because learning to code is difficult and you have to make tons of mistakes like debugging is such a huge part of software development for a reason and the people that had come from like a, a stem background were so used to having to do things like 999 times before they got to the thousandth right time that they didn't get flustered by it they're like that's just part of the process whereas people that had lived in a world were like if i work really hard and write a good essay i get an a plus because it's not it doesn't have to be right or like perfect it just has to be like a good effort and like well done and it that doesn't that doesn't fly in some circumstances so that whole i love the startup ethos of like fail fast fail often like just you know all down seven times get up eight um we all that i know i feel that. as someone with an arts degree <laughs> i always feel like there should have been more exercises pointed to all right so you have your thesis or you write your essay now your job is to pare that essay down to a page or now to a paragraph or now to, you know, two sentences, now to a one sentence or one word, and then start again from that one word or that one, you know, sentence. That really is what a thesis should be. But we don't do that. We start at the big and then we edit the big slightly, but we don't push our thinking to that, you know, building and tear down and rebuild. Um, and that I think there's some, there's some, yeah, there's something to that process. There's so when something we push. broken in, oh, sorry, there's like something really broken in the idea of, well, how we go through school in general, where you're graded and it's graded on a score of like zero to perfection. 
and not there's not often like a step back and okay so what did you learn through that experience that's not often part of like your essay grading didn't come with here's your grade and then what did you learn through this experience which is actually what we have to do in business and in work all the time is like stop yeah. and reflect yeah and one of the to your point about a high performance athlete i see this a lot with people on our team that we hire who are driven high performance people right? They're very ambitious is, and they're holding themselves to a very high standard is they really struggle in facing sometimes like their own areas of opportunity for growth. And so we, the two things I guess that I've tried to say are trying to shift the perspective of what perfection is. Perfection is not doing perfect execution at something you've never done before. Perfection is about being a perfect learner and saying like, let's tear down this idea that you should be great at things you haven't done before. That doesn't make any sense. That's not the expectation. We're doing things that we haven't done before in a startup literally every day. If we're trying to be perfect at them, we're just setting ourselves up for failure. And so if we can try to shift what perfect means, then ideally we can we can like get around our ego in a way that allows us to put, like being perfect means being a perfect learner. That means I'm going to bring all of the shortcomings from this project or all of my areas for growth on the table and I'm going to look at the experience of doing that as perfect as execution, which is like really what ends up being helpful to grow. Yeah, that literally is the definition of a, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Um, and that absolutely the, the built-in reflection piece and bringing all of it and all of the mistakes, taking that moment to reflect, that's the thing that allows you to go faster next time. And it's the most painful if you're in that fixed mindset state where you believe that you have to be great at it right off the bat because that's where your value or worth comes from. Effectiveness and, you know, actually the value and worth of what we're doing, you know, is it effective? Um, are we doing something? Um, when we push at this moment for more efficiency uh, and doing more with less resources, faster, we sometimes risk the effectiveness or execution that can slip. Right. You know, to Sylvia's point, uh, I have also worked with uh, a seller where we laser focus on a skill. They learn that skill. And then we go back to integrate into, you know, their regular process. And maybe the focus shifts slightly and we think they're ready for that next. You know, we think that's integrated or learned. And then yet, you know, another tool kind of drops out of their belt rather than, you know, am amassing more tools. Um, yeah. So when and when I say you know efficiency versus effectiveness, Katie, maybe what is the balance um, between efficiency and effectiveness uh, in how you're ensuring that your team is executing today? Oh, interesting. So when I think of efficiency, the things that I mean, the idea of doing more with less is is the phrase that's going to be said a lot. But what I think is in in the do more part of it is is getting more out of requiring less inputs. And I think efficiency can be about, sure, be ve being very strategic about what programs are working, what channels are working. I think the opportunity and efficiency is about like out outplaying the market. Like there's mm -hmm. an opportunity in the concept of efficiency, which is when the whole market is pressured, the opportunity is to play smarter. The opportunity for us right now is to find the verticals that are performing and and target them and go after them and, and find the, the, the places where we can get more out of less. And that doesn't just come from like working harder and this idea of like grinding perpetually harder and getting incrementally like little bits more. It comes from stepping back and, and being more strategic 
so when I think about efficiency and how it impacts kind of our SDR team or our marketing teams, the things that are on my mind right now are about how do we make the right strategic bets because we have potentially less capacity or a limited capacity. So I have the pressure on what choices I make to invest in in the coming quarter are more important than ever before. And in them are opportunities to outplay the market. So if we can correctly choose what personas we're targeting, what verticals we're targeting, what other areas of the business could unlock more, like that's that's how we win. And effectiveness to me is, is maybe about excellence in that execution um, and everyone really being on their systems and having their learning processes and doing their debriefs and continually elevating themselves within their role to execute in what we've decided is a priority. Um, so it's like the two pieces really come together. If we can have really effective execution and we can make the right strategic choices on what we do, and we can frame this all as this is a really awesome opportunity to take the market, I can rally a team behind that idea. That's what I believe. That's what I get motivated by. Now you see me wanting to flip a table. Like that's what I'm <laughs> I know as you're speaking, you I'm like, okay, well, what is the point? Let's go. Point me. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, what I hear in that is um, in, is constraint. And what we know about constraint, that's when innovation happens. But I'm curious, Sylvia, for you, uh, looking at an individual level uh, or at an individual, what do you think happens or what have you seen happens to people when they're being asked to do more with less? I think that's when you when people actually achieve their height of excellence. I think that when people are constrained, you know, it's like that old saying, um, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Um, the pe when people are constrained, then they have a chance to elevate creativity blooms. You know, when you have to do more with less, like who, how many stories have we heard about people who were like on their last dollar, you know, and they like came up with it finally, like the million dollar opportunity for themselves. Um, like when do superheroes emerge? When it's the end of the world. Well, that's inspiring. <laughs> And I love that you pulled out that quote just personally. I it, it harkens me back to when I was a little kid. That is my dad's favorite saying. You know, we would be on a tough bike ride or a tough hike or, um, you know, approaching a, like the edge of uh, some kind of you know precipice <laughs> in skiing. And my dad always look at me and say, you know, when the going gets tough, tough get going. Like, let's go. Uh, and now I say that to my son on the daily whenever we're in those situations. And so I love that you just said that because I think it's it's something that you have to believe too. You know, it is a mindset um, that when I'm facing something challenging, I believe that this that I'm going to get going. I I will find a way through this. Um, so I love that. Thank you. And before I let both of you go, I want to ask you both the same question that we ask all of our guests on Winning as Women. Uh, what does winning as a woman mean to you today, Sylvia? Ooh, as a woman. Okay, I'm not going to, I don't know if I can answer it as a woman. I think, um, I was, I, I think that the best way I can describe it is just a feeling. So if something makes you want to fist pump, generally, like and really naturally like if you actually table. feel yeah. <laughs> like you want to give somebody a high like you need to give a high five and get a high five you're probably winning <laughs> so it's a you're it's a um like the somatic you know embodiment you're you, you yeah. feel a heck yeah feel with it. your whole body 
That's yeah. right. The sensational thought. How about you, Katie? If I think back through my life to the moments where I felt that, that like it literally is that like kick a door down, flip a table feeling that I get, it's always in process. It's very like rarely the outcome, like the actual end result. It's always like in process that I feel like I'm winning. When we're like running towards something and you're in the process of doing it and you feel like you're working on a collaborative team or that there's like energy being fed into it, that makes me feel like I'm winning. So being challenged and like pushing forward in that to me and continuously pushing forward and elevating and learning from it. And that whole feeling that I get from that experience to me is, is winning. Yeah. That's the, the presence, right? And I think through experience, you learn that it, it absolutely is that journey. There isn't a destination where you've won. In fact, you know, you're probably mm -hmm. dead. <laughs> if you've reached that because it, it's a journey or when you win it's like the season has yeah. is coming to an end right like yes. everything is a different season and when you're like coming if you're in a basketball tournament and you've won it well like there's that moment of it's kind of happy kind of sad because it's done right like you've seen the outcome so now you have to move on to something else and it's the same in business to me too is like when you're coming to the outcome of something well what does that mean that mean that that means that like the season is done and I love I love like really trying to appreciate when you're in those seasons and it could be like the good ones and the bad ones, but when you can pull energy from that experience and just enjoy where it is and not where it's going to end up. I don't know if that makes sense, but it makes total sense. And I think that, you know, we, um, you know, if, if you like we um, as leaders and, and people that have maybe lived through a tougher time, especially in business, it's on us to tell that growth story and to recognize what comes out of these moments of constraint you know, it is the thing that defines you. It's the thing that you now know that you can do. And this is where careers are made. This is where companies are made. It is through this constraint. Uh, so I love that definition of winning, uh, Katie. And so thank you so much for being our guest today. And thanks as always to the listeners for joining us on this fun journey. Make sure to like, subscribe uh, if you enjoyed this episode. And if you didn't, don't bother. We'll catch you next time on Winning as Women. <laughs>